Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. listening to this podcast for a long time you know the story about how i grew up doing everything but hunting but really 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 wanted to go hunting and uh then you know another part of the wrinkle in the story is i kind of got away from the outdoors for a while even though i had i had fished and i had done all kinds of kayaking and canoeing and stuff like that and backpacking trips out in montana and stuff growing up I did all that cool stuff, but you know how it is. You get into college and you're just so busy studying all the time. You just live a, you know, almost a totally indoors based life. Looking back, I didn't have to do it that way. I wish I, I wish I had been more motivated to, to be outside at that time. You know, I was in Wisconsin going to college and Wisconsin is an outdoorsman's paradise in a lot of ways. And, uh, I did a little fishing, uh, towards the tail end of my time there, but that was after I, uh, kind of had a revival in my outdoor passions. And, um, one of the key pieces to that revival, uh, and I've said this many times on the podcast before, uh, uh, a guy who's been on here, I think at least three or four times now, Garrett Fike. Um, was my brother, my younger brother's best friend, and he was a big time outdoorsman. And uh, what Garrett introduced me to was bow fishing. And really, he introduced Jake first. And uh, uh, Jake was telling me about it. I was like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. Well, then, you know, I went to Montana, did another trout fishing trip up there, and I came back just like, all right, I can't get enough of being outside now. And, uh, I was like, Fike, take me bow fishing, man. Please take me bow fishing. I basically begged him until he finally took me. And, uh, I was using AMS gear on a, uh, uh, traditional bow setup. Um, and I smoked my first carp and that was incredible. Uh, and from there on, it was just like this very rapid, uh, dialing up or revving up of my interests in hunting again. And, uh, once I got married and was off on my own and, you know, got done with all, you know, it's kind of hard to hunt when you're in college just because you're kind of a resident in two different places and which you can get, you know, it's nice for tags if you know what you're doing, but I didn't know what I was doing yet. I needed, I needed like a good support network to help me get into the woods. And I didn't quite have that yet in college, but after I got out of college, got into hunting and a big big part of that was uh going bow fishing with fike and i've been meaning to have so this is we're well into year three of the podcast and i've been meaning to do a bow fishing episode we've talked about it a few times with lusk archery adventures um or i should say john lusk from lusk archery adventures but we've never done a specific bow fishing podcast and tonight that changes with matthew schillinger from AMS bow fishing. Matthew, it's so good to have you on here, man. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, looking forward to it. I love doing podcasts. I love talking bow fishing. I'm excited. Yeah, man. That's it, it's 
such a unique, we're going to talk about this here in a minute. It's such a unique group of people, I think, that are really diehard bow fishermen. Um, it's a totally different set of gear than fishing. It's a totally different set of gear even than from hunting. It's like some middle ground in between there. I guess it's kind of close maybe to, there's probably some overlap with like uh, hardcore duck hunters maybe. You know, you can use some of the same boat equipment and and right. uh, so forth. But really, it's its own category. And uh, guys like you are totally passionate about it. And I think it's a great way for people to who are thinking about getting into hunting but aren't quite sure if they want to totally dive in with tree stands and and expensive camo and and uh you know learning how to do scent control and run trail cameras and all that like it's a good middle ground for them to like test the waters a little bit would you agree with that yeah no doubt about that kent um the, another cool thing about bow fishing is you don't have to be quiet mm. uh, you're gonna get a lot of shooting opportunities it's kind of in the off season of of you know your archery hunting and your yeah. ball hunting uh so kind of keeps you in in the motion of drawing a bow back a lot keeping your arm ready to rock and roll and uh like i said it's no big deal if you miss uh because you're gonna get a lot of shooting opportunities and it's just uh a lot of fun to be out there with friends and having a good time and enjoying the sport of bow fishing on beautiful evenings on the water it's just great yeah yeah that's very well said it's a great description of it and i i want to explore it more myself um you know how it is you only have so much time for so many different passions sometimes i wish i could just freeze time and just spend you know spend like turn deer season into from like three or four months into like a full year and then like okay i can hit i can hit play again you know we can get through winter and then (laughs) you know hit pause again when you get to the spring and just hunt turkeys for months on end or something but I would right. definitely do that with bow fishing if I could. But uh, one of these days when I get a little bit more time, everyone's like, that's never going to happen. And if they don't have kids, then uh, it, let me tell you, it's going to happen. When those kids grow up, I know I'm going to have some more time. So, but I don't want to rush them off. I don't want to rush them off. It'll be a no. good consolation to when, after they grow up and they're out of my house. It'll get me yep. to stop crying. Um, but, but, uh, no, I'm, I'm super excited to like maybe explore some of the nighttime bow fishing, you know, getting on a f- flat bottom boat with some of the lights and stuff. And we'll talk about all this, uh, later on in the conversation. Sure. I imagine a lot of people wonder how does somebody get into bow fishing? What, what really drives them? We talked a little bit about how it's that nice middle ground there between hunting and fishing, but, uh, there's people that, and I think people could probably get it like, oh yeah, it's something that a bow hunter does to, you know, keep their touch during the off season and, and, you know, stay active with their bow during the off season. But then there's guys like you who, that is just what you do. That is your thing. That is, you know, mm-hmm. bow fishing is the best part. And like, how, how do you, how do you think you ended up like what, what brought you into that place where you just really became passionate about bow fishing? Um, I think that, you know, I've been working there now at AMS for 16 years, uh, this past April. And the biggest reason of me getting in there because I love the outdoors so much and I could actually be working in a place that was outdoors. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the things, and it was close to home and it was something that I have done, I've done before I worked there. I did bow fishing before I worked there. Um, so actually my wife, um, was actually really good friends with the owner, Cindy Brown. 
Okay. And uh, my wife was actually doing work here at the house for them on the side because they were so busy. She was packaging stuff up for them and putting sure. stuff together for them. And um, the owners said to my wife, we're getting so busy, we're going to have to start to hire somebody, you know? And she goes, well, how about Matthew, you know? Hmm. And they're like, really? So I, I went there for, uh, did an application and they called me in for it. They hired me on the spot, so I had to get my two-week notice where I was working. And <laughs> That's awesome, and, um Yeah, and, and I loved it. You know, it was so cool to be sitting there making bow fishing arrows and putting gluing points on at the time and packaging them, knowing that they're going to be at uh, a Bass Pro or a Cabello's yeah. or a Fleet Farm. It was just really cool to me working on something like yeah. that, you know? And I just really loved the the sport of it. I loved the adventure mm-hmm. of it. Um, the the unknown of always going out and never knowing what you're going to see. Um, and just the nighttime, uh, the moon coming up, the stars, the water shining. Yeah, uh, You'll see muskies. You know, you just see so much uh, wildlife. And um, I, I actually was working in the production lines and doing a lot of the, the um, shipping and stuff like that. Sure. Answering phone calls. And then I was also the videographer for Sydney and Jeff. And uh, the second year that we were down filming one time in Kentucky, they asked me if I wanted to shoot. And I'm like, yeah, I'll like to shoot, you know? Mm-hmm. So I went down there and I, and I shot a big head and they were recording me and they just saw my excitement that I was giving back to the camera for the yeah. people to see how exciting that was. Yeah. And, um, ever since then, I'm, I've always been in front of the camera when we would go on trips or, or doing stuff like that, because I just, I just loved it so much. I wanted everybody to see how much fun this was and how cool it was and what we see. I just wanted everybody to see that. And and I think that's where my passion came in. Um, You know, I remember growing up uh, years ago and I would film my own rabbit hunts. I would film my own uh, turkey hunts. You know, we'd carry that big old VCR recorder on Mm -hmm. our shoulders like that there. And I just love recording stuff in the outdoors. And then when I got into bow fishing, working for them in the outdoor industry was great. But then to be on camera and have somebody filming you doing that was just really right up my alley. Yeah. And, uh, that's where I think you can see my passion. And, and that's where I, I think the owners saw that, that are like, all right, you can, you can be in front of the, the movies camera now. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. I mean, passion, you can't like, you can't just give somebody that, you know what I mean? Like you can't coach it into them. You can't like right. hope, hope they develop it. When people find what it is they're passionate about, that is a powerful force. You know what I mean? They're going to go the extra mile. They're going to do what it takes because they're not there for a paycheck. The paycheck is secondary and uh, their contentment Mm -hmm. is going to be there as long as you treat them well. You know, like I I think that's probably one of the greatest crimes is when an employer has somebody who is passionate about the work that they're doing and uh, then the employer doesn't doesn't reward them with good treatment. You know, fortunately for me, I do my passion every day and, uh, you know, I work within the conservation and really the hunting world, um, as a, uh, I I call myself a prairie farmer. We grow, you know, uh, prairie grasses and flowers and, and sedges for CRP mixes and, you know, uh, uh, backyard pollinator mixes and so forth. And, and that's a passion of mine. And, you know, thankfully my, my, boss is just awesome and man i was just considering today while i was uh filling up with gas before i went into work just how much more content i am since i switched careers to that and just 
how much better I feel about everything in life and, and the power of doing something you're passionate about. So that's awesome that they right. recognize that in you. And I'm sure the company's grown as a result, you know, of, of having you, you know, take on those roles. So, yeah. 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 But I, I enjoyed, I really have a good time doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, uh, I imagine, you know, when it gets too cold, uh, you can't really stick an arrow through the ice very good, especially up there in Wisconsin. I suppose you could go mm-hmm. down south. You could be a snowbird. You go, uh, you know, <laughs> shoot fish down in uh, Florida or something. But, but uh, I imagine you uh, probably pick up a different kind of bow um, when it when the snow starts to fly. Do you do a little bow hunting up there in Wisconsin? Oh, absolutely! I love archery season. I love. Uh, the, the months leading up to archery season mm. with the food plots and stuff like that. Um, trail cameras, getting them set up. Um, yeah, I absolutely love, uh, my family grew up, they were hunters, deer hunters sure. and rabbit hunters. So I was blessed to be, you know, growing up in a hunting family and enjoying the outdoors and, mm-hmm. and um, harvesting game and eating it and stuff like that there. So I was blessed that way. Um, but yeah, I, I really love archery season. Um, I enjoy it because my wife deer hunts with me. We sit oh, our deer blind awesome. together and it, it's just great. Um, this past year, she started uh, to do some archery hunting. Now uh, she shot her first buck last year. We were sitting together in the blind and a, and an eight pointer came in and she shot it and I got it all on film. So yeah, I, you know, bow fishing, archery. I love ice fishing like crazy. I love doing that in the winter time, but bow hunting is great. I do love my bow hunting. I love uh, sitting in those tree stands and just kind of, you kind of lose your mind a little yeah. bit sitting there and you can just enjoy everything and enjoy, you know, the, the creations out there are just amazing. Yes. You know, it's awesome. Absolutely. Just being able to find quiet, you know, peace and quiet. is yeah. such a, such a valuable, valuable commodity to have, you know, you know, I love something you mm-hmm. said in there, the spending the time with your wife. Um, I tell my wife all the time, some of my most favorite moments in our marriage, we've been married for, uh, we just hit, 10, 10 years back in June. And, um, it's when she's gone hunting with me. And actually years ago, um, we had this class at, a, at, uh, our church that was a marriage class and it was really good. Um, one of the things that the author in the book that we were studying talked about was how, <clears throat> uh, obviously this can't be every single case, but you know, so we're speaking in generalities here, but the author Mm -hmm. said he's observed. So he's a psychologist or whatever. He's observed that, um, husbands through, you know, counseling hundreds, if not thousands of, of, um, uh, married couples through the years, he said a, a common thread has been men love it when, or husbands love it when their wives are just by them while they're doing something they enjoy doing. So, you know, it could be sort of for like, you know, guys like you and me, it's while we're hunting or fishing, they don't even have to be participating necessarily, but when they're just there, there's like, there's, there's something about it. And he even went to the point he's like, so he gave some like examples. He said, there's this one, this one, uh, uh, couple he was, he was, uh, doing some, some therapy with or counseling with or whatever. And, uh, he, he said the wife like tested this theory out and, uh, her husband was like big into woodworking 
And so one night he was, you know, down in his uh, wood shop, just like working on a project or something. And she just went and stood in the room. And she said he like, he kept like looking, like turn, st- you know, like turn around and look at her. We had this like big dopey smile on his face. <laughs> She's like, I didn't even talk to him. It's just like, so. There's something about that when you get your. As when I started thinking, I was like, that is so true. Whatever, whenever I go fishing yeah. with Caitlin, she doesn't even have to have a line in the water, and it's way better than when I'm just doing it by myself. Absolutely. You know. And so uh, that's awesome <laughs> that you guys share that together, and that she's take it it sounds like she's actually enjoying it too if she's decided to pick up a bow and and yeah. get into it and yeah i think that mm-hmm. that couples that hunt together stay together or in this case bow fish right together on. stay together you know they do those Absolutely. things find those it doesn't have to be that you know it could be anything that you're interested in but you spend that quality time together i just think that takes yep. care of a lot of the other problems that plague relate you know husband wife mm-hmm. relationship so i think uh that's that's awesome man well, you know, when you consider bow fishing, it's really a pretty ancient thing, isn't it? Like uh, the yeah. his- the history of bow fishing. I mean, are there are there records of like Native Americans uh, bow fishing, and and you know maybe even in other countries, you know South America on the Amazon maybe, or um, I suppose it could even be, you know, on the the eastern hemisphere as well. Are, is it, are there any? It seems like I've heard of stuff like that, but uh, do you know? I mean, obviously you're closer to bow fishing than I am. Is that is that an accurate understanding of history there? Yeah, the the Indians definitely they have artifacts and everything and and drawings of of Indians bow fishing oh, in lakes and rivers cool. where they were growing up. Yeah, yep. So they definitely have artifacts and drawings. Um, uh, down in Illinois, on the Illinois River, uh, okay. in the Starved Rock area, uh, they have artifacts and drawings down in that area, which um, definitely That's proves awesome. that they were bow fishing a long time ago. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that is so cool. Um, was it – so what – I mean, it's got to be hard to know this unless they find like – well, like you said, they have found some artifacts – Mm-hmm. How were they retrieving them? Was it more like, hey, you shoot the thing and it flows to the top? It's got an arrow sticking out of the side of it, or were they tying some kind of string or rope or you know leather strap or something to to their arrows? I mean, any idea how they were retrieving the fish? I'm going to take a wild guess on that, Kent, and say they were doing it the way I did it my first time. Um, I I just threw an arrow on my bow. And I went out here to the local big old plain flowage when the carp were spawning. I'd go wading back in the water, and I'd shoot one, and I'd go chase my arrow around <laughs> and grab my arrow. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, that's, pro- that's and, probably true. Yep. Yeah, if you're hungry enough, you don't care about getting wet. So yeah, yep. So we would chase our arrows around and 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 go you know shoot them that way without a line attached to it. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, so it's it's been it's an ancient thing, man. That is that is yeah. so cool. Yep. Um is yep. there it seems like I heard once that maybe uh there were some tribes down way down south um that may have done some like alligator hunting with bows, so basically bow fishing for for alligators. Do you have you heard anything about that? Or do people do that, that? I haven't heard of? Do people do I that now? That. Do people do that now? Gear made just for your big game, like alligators and crocodiles. Really? 
Oh yeah, you bet, you bet. Mm-hmm. Now it's, is that it's uh? Do they have lines attached to those arrows, or is that like too much of a risk for the equipment to attach a line? No. I mean, I just imagine this yeah. giant croc doing a death roll with the <laughs> arrow sticking around. It'll reel no, you we in. have a, we have gear. We have a. It's called a a slotted big game retriever. Okay. And the line is not attached to the end of the bottle. The line is attached to a, a big game float that's on your stabilizer hole on your bar. Uh, okay. All right. So when you shoot your gator, it takes off. All the line comes out of the retriever, out of mm-hmm. the reel. And then the end of it is attached to that float. And then that float pops off into the water. And that's your tracking device to track oh, okay. it. Okay. All right. That's and then you reload. Uh, you reload. You go get your float. You, you start pulling on it. If it takes off, let them go again. Um, and then you put another arrow into it because, of course, there are some pretty big uh, toothy critters, and it's going to need more than just one arrow uh, to, to get that in. Once we get another shot into that, we can pull a little bit harder now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once we get it to the side of the boat, uh, like down in Florida, we use a bang stick okay. uh, to bang stick them in the back of the head. Yep. Then we tape their mouth shut and then drag them into the boat. But it's uh, so and you, it's uh, so alligator is great do, tasting. Have you done that yourself? You bow fish for a yeah, gator? Yeah, I think I've sh- I've shot four gators now. I think um, <laughs> that is so yeah, hardcore, we, man. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's exciting. Actually, the really cool part that I enjoyed about my last two gator hunts is uh, we call them, really? uh, and it reminds me so much of turkey hunting. We'll just like like run and gunning for turkeys yeah we run and gun for alligators during the daytime um we'll set up in some high cattails and and put a bluetooth speaker out in the front of the boat and you play baby alligator sounds like and sometimes they come in and sometimes they don't and uh, sometimes (laughs) a little one comes in sometimes a big one comes in you just never know it's it's exciting sometimes yeah it's it's exciting it's really exciting that's gotta almost be kind of spooky. All of a sudden, one of those big old uh, lizards comes busting through the cattails like that. Oh man! I tell you what, you'd be surprised at how stealthy uh, a ten foot plus gator can come in, and all the all the reeds and stuff. He'll just barely be touching. He'll just be wiggling just a little bit. You'll think it's a small gator, and uh, he'll hang up out there. And all of a sudden, you like, I oh, is not coming anymore. And you'll start up the airboat and. It'll take off and turn oh, the thing off, and it'll man. be a big ten footer. So you know they're not dumb, but uh, it is exciting. Oh, and bet. the alligator meat is great tasting. I mean, I brought it back, you know, to the AMS shop. We had a big old alligator deep fried feast one time, and uh, oh, it's a lot of fun. It's it's uh, and that's the way that they control them down in Florida is by you know, you know hunting them and and bow hunting is one of the ways that you can definitely shoot gators. That is cool. I didn't I I did not know that. That is so cool. So yeah. I yeah. gotta wonder then. Okay, where where on earth do you want to try and shoot a gator? Because they got a pretty thick armor on them. Um, what's what's kind of the it, target yeah. spot on them? Target spots on a gator, depending on where they're coming in, is right behind their jaw. They what do you call the jowls? Mm-hmm. It's kind of a soft area right there okay. uh, between their like jaw and their front shoulder area, mm-hmm. and then behind their behind their front leg. Uh, back, uh, anywhere in that area, except on the top of their scoots, because their scoots are really hard. Uh, yeah. you'll have a hard time penetrating their scoots, but, uh, you know, the gear and equipment that we use now, um, Barb goes behind that hide. It's, it's very, it, 
chances are it's not going to come out. It's very hard to get them out. A lot of times we've got to cut our points back out once we get our, our getters in the boat because mm. their hide is so strong. You yeah. know, and that point goes in there and then those barbs roll and it just, it holds. It's, yeah, it holds yeah. and it, it, it's proved itself throughout the years for sure. Yeah. That's, yep. that's, that's got to be just a, a crazy good feeling when you sink a perfect shot on one of those and, and yeah. uh, cause there's, there's a lot going on there. You know, if they whip their head around a little bit, that's going to get in the way of the oh, shot yeah. or yeah, just the limited areas where you can shoot them. But man, that's, that's yep. really cool. Yep. And I've had gator before and you're right. It is delicious. Yep. So absolutely, uh, man, mm-hmm. yeah. I, we actually have, um, we actually have, uh, that one gator. We have a couple gator hunts on our YouTube channel. Okay. Uh, so you can, if anybody wanted to watch it, they can go there and watch it on the Amos Boat Fishing YouTube channel. Uh, we have a couple gator hunts on there. Awesome. Yeah. So definitely, definitely mm-hmm. go check that out. I will uh, post a link. Uh, I'll try, you know, I'll try and post a, I'll, I'll look up one of the videos and I'll uh, try and share a link in the show notes here. So you can go in and just click on that. I know, I know how yeah. lazy people can be with uh, searching <laughs> things. They want to just click links. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll do the legwork for everybody here. I'm lazy cool. like that too. I know how it goes, but no, that is, that is awesome though. That, that, it can be that diverse and it's, there's so much history behind it. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, I think it's always cool when you can take things to a different level and, or, you know, Mm -hmm. just to a different target in this case. So that's, that's really cool. So, Mm -hmm. you know, another question Mm -hmm. that I think probably a lot of people wonder is, you know, if I get into bow fishing, will that help me with deer hunting? Um, I think probably bow fishing, and you can correct me on this, uh, Matthew, because you obviously know a lot more than I do, but I think bow fishing probably works best for instinctive shooters. But I, I've always assumed if somebody wanted, and that's the only way I've done it. I've, I haven't done it with a sight uh, before, but I, you know, I've done it with as an instinctive shooter. However, when I'm deer hunting, I use a three a three pin. And, you know, that's obviously a totally different setup. Do do you, I mean, would you encourage somebody who is going to be deer hunting? Would you say, yeah, go ahead, slap a sight on your bow fishing rig? Or would you say, oh, why don't you try doing the instinctive shooting? What do you think? I would tell them to do the instinctive shooting. Okay. Uh, Hands down. Uh, About 98% of bow fishing is done instinctive shooting. Okay. Reason being is because things happen so fast, mm-hmm. and um, our targets are popping up out of from underneath the underneath the boat, in front of us, under the logs, under the weeds. Where deer hunting, you can see that deer coming in. You you kind of have an idea of where your shots going to take place. You have time to get all set up when you draw. In bow fishing, you just don't have that. Um, I wouldn't. I don't even recommend using a release. Just shoot with your fingers. Okay. A uh, release just gets in the way. Uh, you don't have time. Uh, instinctive shooting, w- when I draw back and try to aim at a fish, I'm going to miss. Okay. If one just comes flying out and I just draw and snap shoot real quick, I'm a lot better that way. Sure. Um, just because things happen so fast. Um, and a lot of our shots are close range anyways. Mm-hmm. They're right, you know, within 10 feet and less in front of the boat most of the times. And uh, it's just a lot faster. Uh, once you get the hang of it, um, 
it's it's a lot easier to shoot. Uh, actually, it's going to be the one thing that they struggle with the most is the water refraction and yeah. aiming low. That's a good point. On your target versus using a sight, um, just aiming low on that fish. But yeah, a sight and uh, releases is just going to get in the way. It's going to get banged around in the boat. It's going to get beat up. Don't use your hunting bow because it's going to get beat all up, bouncing around and dirty mm-hmm. and slimy and sandy. Yeah, um, but no, point I would definitely recommend them to instinctive shooting and no release at all. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. Yep. Now, do you prefer using like a recurve bow or do you use a compound in which direction would you steer a beginner? I use both. Okay. I do use both, but majority of time I'm using a compound. Okay. Right? Um, at AMS bow fishing, uh, we offer a couple different varieties of bows. We have a compound, and then we also offer a watermark uh, for just getting into the sport. Uh, the recurve is definitely going to be the way to go. It's not as expensive. Uh, you don't have cables and strings and cams to have mm. to deal with. Uh, you can just tear them down. They're nice and light, um, and they work great. Uh, you know, they, they get the job done. And uh, low maintenance on them also. Sure. Um, I myself, I prefer to shoot a compound just because I, I like the the uh, the hooligan that we have. The hooligan V2 that we have allows us to snap shoot. Mm. So I don't have to come all the way to full draw. I can draw, I can release at, you know, 15 inches of draw, 17 inches of draw, or I can release at 30 inches of draw, sure. anywhere in between there. But I just like the compound. Uh, one reason that I like the compound over a recurve is because it's shorter axle to axle. Mm. Um, a lot of the boat fishing boats have rails around the decks or light yep. rails or, or leg rails. And uh, that bottom can can kind of get in the way a little bit. You need to canter that boat to shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of people in boat fishing that love to shoot recurve. There's nothing wrong with them. They're great. Mm-hmm. Um, I myself, I just prefer to use a compound. Yep, yep. So when you com- when it comes to deer season then, do you are you an instinctive shooter during deer season like with traditional archery or do you then go go ahead and go with the sight and do you feel it transitions if if so do you feel it transitions over well even if you're using a sight yeah i definitely use a sight for uh for bow hunting for deer and stuff like that mm-hmm. and um it's actually, actually I've, I've never even really noticed oh i'm really shooting bad this year Maybe it's because I'm not shooting with sights with my bow. I never, for bow fishing, I've never felt that. It's just go out in the backyard and start getting ready for deer season and start practicing. It's just yeah. comes natural and no issues at all with the, using the sights. Yeah. Do you feel like uh, it, like bow fishing has helped you with your accuracy for uh, deer hunting with a bow? Um, one, I don't think it's helped with my accuracy, but sure. what it's done is, um, you know, you take a guy that doesn't bow fish, okay, but he, but he bow hunts. Mm-hmm. So he hunts from, you know, September, and then he probably puts his bow away sometime in December yep. and probably picks it back up around August of next year or something like that. Yep. When I go to shoot my bow, my arm feels great. Um, yeah. You know, my shoulders, um, my rotator cuff, everything mm-hmm. feels great. My back, my back feels great. Um, that's a good point. That's one thing that I, that's, that's one of the big things that I've noticed on that, Kent. That muscle tone stays, yes. stays dialed in. That's a great point because... Right. I notice that every year when I when I you know dig the bow back out for deer season, it yeah. takes a little it takes a little bit to get those muscles back in shape, and mm-hmm. uh, you might be doing all kinds of other 
uh, weightlifting and exercise and stuff like that in between. And you might even be stronger than you were, but it's not, you're not using the same muscles unless you're pulling a bow. I mean, it's just a different, it's a different thing. So yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great point. I never thought of that, but that's, that's really, Mm -hmm. that's really a good point. So Mm -hmm. there's a good reason there for, for people who maybe are into bow hunting, get into, get into bow fishing because it could, uh, could help you get in shape for uh, deer season. So that's awesome. So Mm -hmm. here's, here's, uh, you know, another thing that I want to, you know, just try and uncover through this conversation and we talked a little bit about this at the start of the podcast, but bow fishing really is, you know, it's, it's a lifestyle. It's got its own culture, just like bow hunting, uh, for elk or deer or whatever it has, or, uh, you know, maybe gun hunting culture. And, you know, well, think you're in Wisconsin, there's probably not a bigger, uh, gun hunting for deer culture than what Wisconsin has, you know? Uh, everything's got to say the, the, you know, bass fishermen, they have their own culture and, and walleye guys, you know, on and on. There definitely is that I've noticed, uh, with bow fishing. Um, you talked a little bit about tournaments. That seems, that seems like a huge part of the bow fishing culture tournaments. They're all over the place. Um, if you go looking for them, uh, how many tournaments do you usually do a summer? Um, I shot in a lot of tournaments years ago. Mm-hmm. Now I kind of got out of the tournament, um, the bigger tournaments I kind of got out of. Uh, you know, I shot in the World years ago. I shot in the Bass Pro U.S. Opens, uh, the Cajun 8s, the Muzzies, all those big ones, uh, mm-hmm. north or south and everything. Um, now I've kind of just gotten into shooting just the local Wisconsin Bow Fishing Association tournaments. Okay. Um, I'll still go to those larger tournaments and set up a booth and, uh, and uh, set up a vending uh, sure. you know, a booth with a bunch of our products to display our products and stuff like that. And I'll, we still support them with donations and everything. Yeah. But, um, I just, I guess I'm getting old, Kent. I just don't, uh, don't care to go out and do all that. No, scouting I get it, all man. Those nights. <laughs> I get it, man. You want, you want to be bow fishing. You want to find that peace and quiet. Yep. And, and it's just, um, I love the tournament. I love the tournament atmosphere. I love the tournaments. I love the competing. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I do miss it a little bit, but, um, you know, I really enjoy just going out and filming now, um, yeah. taking kids out and filming, going to youth tournaments, um, mm-hmm. helping at youth tournaments. Um, but, uh, you know, the Wisconsin Bowfish Association, we've got our last tournament coming up now, August 5th on the Mississippi River, uh, the, the, the Stern Pools. Um, so I do also shoot in those tournaments. I enjoy them. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the atmosphere. I enjoy the, the people that I see there every year. And, you know, uh, bow fishing uh, tournaments, I've met so many great people, you know, throughout my 15 years of shooting in tournaments and stuff. It's just amazing the amount of people in the community is what we call it, the bow community. is just wonderful to be part of. You know, you can have guys that might not really care for you're struggling or, or something happened to you in the water or something happened back home, they're going to be right there doing whatever they can for you, mm. you know, or helping you out. So, um, that's awesome. but yeah, I still do shooting tournaments, just the local ones here in Wisconsin. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and, and those tournaments, I mean, they're pretty well attended, right? From what I've seen, like there's a lot of boats in the water, right? Yeah. Like for example, uh, we, we have the AMS big 20, all right, we have it here in Wisconsin. Uh, we've been doing it now for 12 years. We just had it here um, this past June. 
uh, the first uh, month in June. And uh, we had 87 teams that competed Whoa. Uh, in the state of Wisconsin. Yep. Um, we've had over 100 teams. You know, a couple of years ago, we had over 100 teams that showed up. Um, you look at, like, the Bass Pro U.S. Open, you'll have around 100 and 130 teams show up for that. Uh, the Great Lakes Championship, you'll have close to 200 teams showing up for that. Wow. Um, so, so yeah, you get a lot of teams coming from all over the country competing in these tournaments. You know, you look at, you know, 10 grand payouts, you know, 15 grand payouts, 8 grand payouts. You'll get a lot of teams when it's, when you're talking that kind of money for payouts. Wow. That is that is incredible. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? It, it helps solve some problems too for getting right. some uh, carp out of uh, waterways that they shouldn't be in. And, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, I think uh, there's, there's a lot of good that can come from having such a concentrated focus of carp hunters <laughs> in mm -hmm. one, in one area. <laughs> now, now yeah. within, so let's say, you know, you, you go to your huge tournament, like your biggest tournaments, are they usually you're just shooting one species uh, or is it any legal species or do you get more points for some? I mean, how's the, what are the regs and, and scoring like for that? Sure. So normally in, in a, in a boat tournament, you'll have two divisions. Okay. You'll have a numbers division mm -hmm. where the team just goes out and shoots as many fish as they can. All species. Or you'll have, but okay. A lot of times, those number guys, they don't want to shoot big fish. They just want to shoot small suckers, uh, shad, sure. um, you know, your smaller fish. Um, they don't want to shoot anything big because they're they're having to haul more weight yeah. that way. Yeah, slows them down. Uh, then they also have what you call like your big twenty or your big thirty, mm -hmm. where the team is going to weigh their heaviest twenty fish. Okay. Yep. And then you also have, uh, you can have side pots. Like for our tournament, we have side pot for the heaviest gar, heaviest oh, cool. quillback, heaviest dogfish, um, heaviest common, heaviest buff. Um, so you can have little side pots like that as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and uh, you know, you can have, or it can be a big 10, you know, but majority of the time it's like a big 20. And uh, those are very popular, are your big 20 tournament shooters. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Now, is kind of along those lines, do they is there like a Boone and Crockett for bow fishing, you know, equivalent <laughs> like like this guy shoots some giant gar or something like that and like there's, yeah. you know, there's a quote-unquote book somewhere that has all these records or like can you get it, you know, you have to get a qualifying length or qualifying wait and you can get your name put in the book you know that type of thing mm -hmm. does that exist for bow fishing you bet it does um that for wisconsin here um it's called the alternative method records okay which is anything besides hook and line okay um, so you can have records for all the rough fish species that you can shoot here in wisconsin there's a category for that there's also cool. the wisconsin bow fishing association you have to be a member for it to be in there Okay. But then you also have the uh, the Bow Fishing Association of America has records for each state. And then they also have world records. And uh, for you to get in there, you need to be a member as well. But yeah, yeah, almost all the different, all the states have possibly some type of alternative method style as well for, mm -hmm. for fish that you can shoot. Yep. Is, uh, is there a Matthew Schillinger in any of those uh, record books? 
Yeah, there's a couple in there. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome! What, uh, what, what, like, what, what were they? Um, I used to hold the uh, big mouth buffalo record here in Wisconsin at seventy pounds. Oh, um, that's man, <laughs> that's an arrow bender got, right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I still hold the the Wisconsin record for the uh, small mouth buffalo. That was forty pounds. Wow. Um, I had the record um, also down in Kentucky for the smallmouth buff. It was eighty or eighty-seven pounds uh, <laughs> down there. <laughs> That's a small but person. My, <laughs> yeah, but my buddy he he beat me uh, a couple years ago. He beat me with the ninety pounder. So, oh so yeah, I'm gonna have to go back down there and get him back. <laughs> yeah, man. That's incredible, man. That's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so is there you know you know you know how it is in the whitetail world you know you got the whole trad versus compound versus crossbow and everyone kind of dumps on each other and and makes yeah. fun of each other so does that go on in bow fishing too like oh you're shooting a compound oh i'm over here i got i got a trad set up and i think you it, bet it does. doesn't it doesn't even ams oh, make a uh bow fishing crossbow too do you guys make one or does we, somebody we we make the gear that you can use for a crossbow. Okay, so you gotta. We don't. We don't do the sure. crossbows, but we have the gear. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So, do, does do all those debates and like picking on each other? Does that go on in the bow fishing world too? Not so much with um, like the crossbow because it's, there's such a small amount of people that will use a crossbow just because it's so sure. slow. Okay. Uh, just somebody that might have a, a shoulder injury or injured okay. your back or you can't draw a bow back. Sure. Uh, something like that uh but oh yeah you definitely have uh different companies you know it's just like ford versus chevy out there you know yeah oh you're still shooting an old you know one of these bows you know and this bow here is better than that bow and yeah definitely you got that all the time you have uh uh facebook groups and they're always <laughs> hauling back and forth on that yeah. no doubt it and it's fun it's fun you know it's fun ribbing and stuff like that yeah for sure yeah yeah mm-hmm. Well, that's that. That doesn't surprise me. I guess uh, you get enough hunters anywhere, then they're going to start picking on each other yeah. a little bit. But that, you're right. Yep. That is yep. that is part of what makes it fun. You know, that a little yeah. bit of extra pressure there or whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. so, kind of my last question I have here for the bow fishing culture part of our conversation is, you know, everyone always looks at Iowa as like that's the place to go for, you know archery hunting whitetail deer you know you got to go to iowa yep. so where's the iowa of bow fishing where do you, where does everybody want to go uh to have you know and i imagine it's probably because you're chasing so many different species it, mm-hmm. it, you could have different ways of breaking that up but but like where's just the one place that the average hardcore bow fisher has to go at some point in their bow fishing career I've, I've, I've said it for the last eight years. C- to me, Kentucky is like the Mecca of mm. bow fishing. Okay. Um, I, I absolutely love large bodies of water and Kentucky Lake and Barkley Lake are huge. Mm-hmm. And then along with that, you have the Ohio river, which isn't far away. Uh, you have the tailwaters go to dams and the real explosion of this Kent is because of the Asian carp that have infested the waters down there. Hmm. Um, you know, I was just down there 
uh, Father's Day weekend for a youth tournament down there. And I was talking to one of the tournament directors, and um, I said, what would this area be like down here if you didn't have those Asian carp? Mm, he, he, he goes, you wouldn't be here. Uh, the, the amount of revenue that comes in from out-of-state bow fishers down here is crazy. Huh. And all the archery stores down here sell a ton of bow fishing stuff. And just like you said earlier, you know, with they're, they're buying out-of-state license. There's, they're buying gas. They're mm-hmm. staying in motels. Um, so so to me, Kentucky was always like the mecca of bow fishing. Texas is another spot. Okay. Um, you know, if you want to go chase big alligator gar. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just a great spot also. But I'm telling you what, Kent, uh, Wisconsin to me is pretty hard to beat as well. We've okay. got some amazing bow fishing here in the state of Wisconsin. We've got some big fish here in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got big bodies of water. You look at Lake Winnebago, Green mm-hmm. Bay, the Mississippi River. Uh, yep. Wisconsin Wisconsin can hold right there with some of the top boating states. In fact, I think Wisconsin is one of the top, you know, boating states in the, in the country as well. That's interesting. That's cool. Yeah, I've seen yep. a lot of it going on up there, and maybe that's because I see it through the lens of posts from AMS and stuff like that. But just from fishing quite a bit up in Wisconsin, I I get it. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. you know, it's a fisherman's paradise, and and yep. uh, you know, where a place can be good with a rod and reel, it can be good with a, a bow and a reel too. Yeah, you know, it's yep. it's uh, it makes sense for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, you got me. You got me real interested now. And I, I used to kind of dream of going down to Texas and doing, you know, like paying a guide to go and and bow fish for uh, some of those alligator gar. Have you ever done that? Yeah. Yep. I, I've got. Uh, we went down and filmed a couple of years ago, and we shot a nice. Uh, we. It was so funny because how this whole thing happened. Um, we were on. Our, we were. It was our last day there. So the mm-hmm. cameraman already had flew back. He was at the airport. He flew back, and we had, like, two hours to go try it. And we ended up shooting one with, like, an hour left before we had to leave to get back to the airport. Oh, man. And it, it, it was a, a big old gator guy, and we just we, we, we got it in, and then we had our hip and go back, and then we, we skinned it out, and we, we took out the back loins because the back loins of gator guy are so good to eat, you know. Uh-huh. So we, we're up there flaying it up, and we're getting it on ice and, and getting it to the airport. Um, but yeah, gator gar hunting is um, is is like you, you know talking about your your Boone and Crockett's and stuff mm-hmm. like that for deer wise. You yeah. know, a giant a seven foot gator gar is you know right up there with your one seventies and one sixty inch bucks. Oh, sure, yeah. yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And what a lot of people don't realize is alligator gar are uh, native to Illinois. A lot of people, a lot of people uh, have kind of forgotten that in like the state you know, wildlife history is, uh, alligator gar were found on the Illinois river. And, uh, a friend of mine who's been on this podcast a couple of times, Jeremiah Haas, he's a biologist, uh, for a, uh, nuclear power plant on, um, uh, the, uh, Mississippi river, uh, Exelon. And, uh, part of the deal is if you're going to have a nuke plant, you got to have like a, they call him an environmental chemist, but, but really he's kind of like a fisheries biology biologist mostly. Um, but he does a lot of other stuff too with the other wildlife on the, the plant campus there. And, um, one of his jobs he got to do actually was the restocking of alligator gar into the Illinois river. This is like probably five or six years ago. 
And a lot of people, myself included, mistakenly thought, oh, they're going to put those top-level fish predators in there to help with the the um, carp problem. And he's he kind of said what you said. Uh, no, that could never happen. The biomass of those carp in there, they, they would never be able to eat enough. Those fish would never be able to eat enough to to help us with that problem, really. But, you know, great if they do, but that's not the intention. The intention is just let's get a native species back into its native waters. And, uh, yeah, just such fascinating critters. I think a lot of people forget that that we have here in, in North America mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. just, a you know, just a dinosaur of a creature, you know, right. just, uh, something so, so, uh, monster. It's, it's truly a monster. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And like I said, they are, they are great to eat. They're, they're That's awesome. kind of like your, kind of like your loins on a deer, you know, you cut out your loins wow. on each side yeah. and it's just white flaky. We call them, we deep probably call them garballs. And okay. they're they're even even the the long nose guard that you shoot here on the Mississippi River and stuff are great table fare. We'll we'll skin those up and eat them as well. They're great. They're great table fare. That's awesome. That's really mm-hmm. awesome, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I really want to try gar sometime. I've never had gar, but I definitely want to try it. That it sounds yeah. awesome. So, <laughs> you know, kind of my last question here before uh, we you know we uh, pitch AMS a little bit to our listeners and. Uh, you know, talk about how they can follow along and maybe some of the products you guys have out right now that you want to promote. Um, I got to imagine. So you've been with AMS for 16 years. Um, I imagine you were bow fishing longer than that. Um, you've probably seen a lot of change through your career as a bow fisherman. Uh, can you maybe just describe that a little bit and then maybe give us, you know, kind of your view of, what do you think's next for the bow fishing world? Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, I, growing up here in central Wisconsin, um, I was bow fishing around the, the late eighties, okay. middle eighties when I started bow fishing. And, um, it was just very seasonal when I would go out here and crappie fish and walleye fish in the flowage around end of May, I start seeing these carp in the back bays that were spawning. I'd run home and get my bow and stuff and get my retrievers and go down there and I'd bow fish for three, four days. And then the carp were done spawning. I would hang it back up and that's, that was it. Um, Then of course, throughout the years and working with AMS, I got more involved in the sport. Um, But I can remember, uh, you know, even when I first started working at AMS 16 years ago, I live on the road that takes you out here to the big old plane flowage. You never saw a bow fishing boat go by yeah. on the road. You never saw anybody out there at nighttime with lights on bow fishing. <laughs> and and I it's just so funny because now you know you see plenty of bow fishing boats yeah. going down the roads uh heading out there. And um even you know I'm, I'll be down at Castle Rock or down by Nasita somewhere mm-hmm. and I'll see bow fishing boats cruising around down there. I'll see bow fishing boats down on the Mississippi River, down by Stoddard or, or La Crosse area down on Alaska. You know, you see boats yeah. down there. Uh, the sport has definitely grown tremendously, you know, over the last 16 years, no doubt. It's probably one of the fastest growing outdoor sports in America right now. Wow. Um, it, it has slowed down a little bit now as far as the growth goes. But where you see that growth is in those, you know, 16 to 22 year olds yeah. is where you really see that growth. That's and, cool. um, 
I, I to be honest with you, Kent, I don't I don't see it slowing down. Um, because the thing about bow fishing is it's kind of like turkey hunting. Once you get the bow fishing bug, uh, yeah. you want to do more. You want to you want to invest a little bit more. It's it's so common to see a guy take out a, a guy that never bow fished before, and then he goes out with them that season and bow fishes. Then the next year, that guy is looking to buy his own John boat, and yeah. then he he buys a little sixteen footer. And then the following year he sells it and he buys an 18 footer, you know, and then he puts yeah. the lights on it and then he starts traveling on his own and stuff. And, and that's how you see the growth just keep growing uh, that way, you know, and I don't see it slowing down. I really don't yeah. see it slowing down. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's awesome. That's a good, that's a great example there. I, you know, so I start, I first went bow fishing. It must've been summer of 2012 is when I first went. And you're right. I noticed a little bit of that um, mm-hmm. with like Bass Pro. All of a sudden, Bass Pro started selling some of those boats that had all the crazy lights mounted everywhere. Right. And mm-hmm. and it's like, wow, people are really starting to catch on to this. You know, this is <laughs> this is really you know they're not going to be making these boats if there's not enough people out there interested in buying them. And right. Uh, you're right. You know, there was. A there's quite a run that I saw there for a while on people getting into bow fishing. And I think it's awesome that that age group is getting into it. Um, because that's something we all fear is that our, you know, the younger people in our communities are losing touch with the outdoors, but that's a good, you know, that's a good little piece of data there that Mm -hmm. gives me hope that they're reconnecting and they're finding an adventure that draws them out there. And that's honestly what bow fishing is. It's an adventure. Uh, you're mm-hmm. going into the parts of the water that the bass fishermen avoid and you're going, you know, and the walleye guys avoid, you're going into those mm-hmm. nooks and crannies and the nasty stagnant water, you know, the, the backwater <laughs> off the the main channel and stuff like that, you know, the swampier areas, it's an adventure. Yep. You feel like Huck Finn, yeah. you know, when you're, when you're out there uh, bow fishing, it's, it's really a, a cool thing that I think, uh, connects people permanently to the outdoors because of that value that it has that adventure value. So, well, uh, you're at AMS. We talked about that a little bit. Um, what does AMS stand for? I don't know if I've ever heard what AMS stands for. Sure. AMS stands for all metal stamping. All All metal stamping. Okay. Correct. Yep. Um, it's our sister plant. Okay. Um, because the owner of all metal stamping, Jack Lassie, um, designed and built the retrievers back in the seventies. Okay. Okay. Um, he had a cabin on Mead Lake, Wisconsin. And when the carp were spawning, he, he would go out there with a soup can and put, put the line in the soup can, hide his arrow, shoot at the fish. Then he would have to hand over hand the line back in, you know? Um, so he wanted something faster. So he went back to his, his shop there, all metal stamping in Abbotsford, Wisconsin, okay. and designed and built the retriever so he could crank it, crank the line back in. Yeah. Now. Okay. Um, and then in uh, 1996, uh, Jack's daughter, Cindy Lassie, bought the bow fishing part from her dad okay. and then moved to, moved to Stratford, Wisconsin. And uh, back then it was just, you know, the retrievers and a couple little arrows and that was it and um now it's it's full-blown you know we manufacture our own 
our own points in the house. We manufacture, we, we make our own brass gears, man, that's uh, transmissions. Awesome. Our points are all made in, in house. And then all, a lot of our, our molded plastic is made up there at all metal stamping. That's so, awesome. Um, yeah. So that's where the, what the AMS stands for is all metal stamping. Man, American made. I love it. That's, yeah, that, that's you awesome. You know, there, there's something I pointed this out with a guy I interviewed once from a, um, American made camouflage company Forlo. Um, Andy Techmansky, I interviewed him, uh, well, probably getting close to a year ago now, actually already. And, uh, you know, there's something that I think a lot of people don't consider from the, that are in the outdoor community with American made companies is the conservation aspect of that. You guys right. aren't, and maybe you have to source some of your stuff from overseas or whatever, but it sounds like a lot of it is, if not all of it is from, from here. And think of the mm-hmm. amount of, of uh, carbon emissions you guys save the world from having uh, by mm-hmm. having to do all that, everything, you know, being shipped over from, from the other side of the world. Um, you're, you're uh, boosting a local economy. Um, by Great. by keeping those dollars here, and uh, it's a skilled trade that gives people another option to look into for working and and um, yeah, I think uh, uh, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot there, but I think that conservation aspect of hey, we're gonna we're gonna make this stuff here, and uh, that that cuts out a lot of extra steps, and um, you know what, I think it's worth seeking out. Uh, those American-made companies and uh, giving them our money to support them for many different reasons, uh, but right. but I think conservation is is one of them. So that's awesome. I love that. I I I knew you guys were based out of Wisconsin, but I guess I didn't realize that you're American-made. So that's man, I love that. Yep. That, that is awesome. Yep. So uh, any new products coming out that uh, people should be looking for, or like what's hot yeah. right now? Yeah, we, we we're working on some new products for next season, and um, usually we announce those like at the ATA show. Okay, stuff yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. Or, or right there leading up to the ATA show. But yeah, we got some new stuff that we're working on. Um, it'll be kind of exciting, uh, some really cool stuff. So got to keep your eyes up for that uh, yeah. around December. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you, hear, you heard it here first, folks. Go at December, get on their uh, website or their Instagram page. I'll have links for that here in the show notes. Um, and, and, uh, even better yet, don't even need my link. If you just follow them along, they can follow you on Instagram, right? And Facebook. You bet. Instagram and Facebook is where we do a lot of our, our, our social media posting. Perfect. Yep. Yep. So I will, uh, have links for that. Like I just said in the show notes, uh, so you can follow along with them just like I have and drool over their products. Uh, based on the shirt you're wearing there, that's a pretty sweet shirt. Are those you got uh, some? You got some swag for sale on the website too. We we do have swag. Uh, this one here is actually last year's shirt. So this is this is out of out of our, our catalog and out of our inventory. But uh, we do have a bunch of uh, leather patch hats and stuff like that. Sweatshirts, awesome. hoodies, and t-shirts. You bet. Awesome. Well, I'm going to go check out the website. I need a new t-shirt. My wife would punch (laughs) me right now if she heard me say that, but they're sweet. They look awesome. So I'll, uh, I'll be, I'll be doing that. You should too, if you're listening in and uh, thank you so much for uh, coming on the show tonight, Matthew. And uh, thank you to all the listeners. Uh, Please remember, 
Please remember, this podcast is presented by Spartan Forge. Spartan Forge was founded by Bill Thompson, who is a retired military intelligence uh, personnel. And Bill used all the skills and tactics that he developed to uh, find, track, keep tabs on the enemy uh, while he uh, was in the military. He's taken those skills and uh, that know-how, and he's uh, now applied it to whitetail deer. And uh, he has poured over so much data, so much radio collar data on deer and developed an artificial intelligence uh, uh, processing system to take that known data bank and apply it to your conditions in the area that you are hunting. Yes, it goes by your GPS location. So anywhere you're at here in North America, it will take that radio collar data, and they have thousands of years of radio collar data. Um, It's not just like like they had collars on 3D or then they – built this thing it's tons of tons of data and that ai system will cipher through all of that information apply it to the variables that exist where you're hunting and it'll give you the best information on what the deer are going to be up to that day and that helps you decide if you should hunt or if you should stay home and wash the dishes and uh, help clean up after dinner so that you have those brownie points to go back out and hunt on the day that the app says is a little bit better, like I do. So uh, you can get that by going to the Spartan Forge link here in the show notes, or if you go to my Instagram profile, go to my bio, click on my link tree, and uh, there you'll see that link there for Spartan Forge. Just a few thumb clicks and you'll be there. You can download the app for free and you get all the mapping benefits of that. But if you want that deer behavior prediction service that I was just uh, talking about, you can subscribe to it. You, you'll have to subscribe to it. And you can subscribe to it just during deer season if you'd like. Or you can do the full year like I do or Caleb does or I believe Alex does as well. So again, Spartan Forge, the presenting sponsor. So thankful for them. Thankful for Bill one of the best guys in the hunting industry and uh, go support him. That's another American company that you should want to stand behind. I know I sure do. And then also want to talk about East to West hunts, another great company. uh, One of the longest sponsors on this podcast, Uh, East to West hunts really does offer the absolute best tag application hunt planning service of any other group out there and there's a lot of groups out there and a lot of those groups guess what they do they give alex a call and ask him for advice on how to better uh uh, roll out their product for their clients that's how good alex is he is he's the guru of all this stuff his brain is like a computer keeps track of all this information and he will do all of it for you if you pay for his services Go to eastwesthunts.com. If you need tag application help, talk to Alex. He'll uh, get you all uh, pointed in the right direction. Or maybe if you're like, you know what? I don't want to worry about all this stuff. I just want it done for me. Alex will do it for you. Uh, You just pay for that service. Whatever it is, you need to rent gear for your trip. You need to have the hunt planned out, not just get your tags and stuff like that. But you actually want to know where you should be hunting, what... um, what uh, places you could be staying at. Maybe you need a game check station or whatever. Maybe you need to know where to fill your canteen. Alex will send you those waypoints 
to make that happen. He'll even send you glassing points and, and feeding areas and stuff like that. So go to eastwesthunts.com. Use the promo code FIRSTGEN10 at checkout. And uh, that little bit of money that you'll save, that 10% off of that, you can uh, save up for December when AMS starts rolling out some of their new products. You can go and uh, buy yourself something nice. Whatever you decide to do, though, do it at eastwesthunts.com with the promo code FIRSTGEN10. Matthew, thank you again, man. This has just been so much fun. I'm, I'm so much more excited now about bow fishing. i got a good place to go here close by. I'm definitely going to do it. I'm hoping that any listeners that have considered it before, you're going to give it even more consideration now and want to get out there for yourself and find your own adventure. Um, I, I, I've never regretted a time that I've gone bow fishing. It's just so much fun. And uh, I'm sure you'll uh, get into it too if you do it. Um, if you do, let me know. Send me a little message. Love hearing from you. Just heard from a longtime listener this week. Love getting that information. Um, if you haven't yet, please leave a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. That gets the word out on this podcast and hopefully gets more great hunting information like we heard tonight from Matthew into the eager listening ears of other hunting enthusiasts out there. But whatever you do for me, even if you don't leave me a review, love you. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, take care and take someone hunting.